0: The Imprint Companion Podcast is, of course, brought to you by Imprint Films. Imprint Films is a brand-new Australian boutique Blu-ray label. Check them out for limited-edition deluxe Blu-ray releases of long-requested and previously unreleased films. Check out the past and future releases online
1: at imprintfilms.com.au. You can follow Imprint Films on Twitter at imprint underscore or one word, on Instagram
0: at Imprint Films, no space. And finally, on the Facebook page at Imprint Films AU. Welcome back to the Imprint Companion, the only podcast on the Australian internet about the. D- the D-Culture. I am one of your co-hosts on this podcast. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos, and joining me as always is Michael Mann's man, a man obsessed with following the money, a man who digs puzzles, the host of One Heat Minute and Zodiac Chronicle, Mr. Blake
1: Howard. Oh, hello, Alexi. It's an absolute pleasure to be back with you, my friend.
0: It is a dream come true to pod <laughs> with you, Blake. And this <laughs> episode, we're going to be going through the spine numbers on the imprint release for this month of March/April, we're going to be talking about spy numbers 38 through 40.
1: And they are a bizarre time travel telly movie, The Two Worlds of Jenny Logan, a cult creature feature, The Mothman Prophecies, and the movie that answers the question: what would happen if Billy Connolly <laughs> was Paul Walker's dad? in timeline oh my friend the host of the film big film buffet for netflix Mm -hmm. total reboot mate how are you how are things
0: i'm good i'm excited to go through this weirdo little batch of movies some that i'm familiar with some that i was not familiar with some that i never knew existed and some that i've even been curious about my whole life to finally discover
1: just like you're looking for discovery, looking for meaning in your life. Looking I'm for Brandy, if you will. <laughs> looking for Brandy. I'm hoping that we can help the listeners discover the two worlds of Jenny Logan. When Jenny Logan fell in love with an old house and an antique dress, she never could have guessed where they might take her. It
0: was terrifying. I really felt like I was back
1: in another century Lindsay wagner is jenny logan a woman drawn to another time and another love
0: ah, ah, pamela! stay! i love you what was her name i believe it was pamela you look remarkably like her i didn't ask for this to
1: happen to me torn between her husband in this century and her lover in the last will you leave your husband will you come away with me she must risk her life to save the man she loves. Tomorrow night, I will kill you.
0: Couldn't I change what's going to happen? You can't save him. He's already dead. I don't
1: believe a word I've been saying. A spellbinding story of yearning and passion. The Two Worlds of Jenny Logan, next. Alexi Toliopoulos, tell the ladies and gentlemen of who are listening to Ingrid Companion why this movie is so freaking special.
0: I had never heard of this movie. It was never on my radar. I didn't know it existed. Uh, Seeing it pop up in our batch was the first time I'd ever encountered it in my life. And I got to tell you, this is a pretty sumptuous, lovely, interesting, moody, uh, time travel, love story, romance, TV movie. It's hard to really put into other words, but that's what it is. (laughs) And I did enjoy it. I was thoroughly entertained by it. It kind of like scratched that itch that I have not scratched in a long time of like watching like there would be on tv quite a lot when we were younger Blake of like 1970s tv movies that would just kind of like pop up middle of the day so it took me back and like gave me these like nostalgic feelings of like when I would like either actually be sick or like fake sick to stay home (laughs) and end up like watching tv all day and just some weirdo thing that I've I could never ever find again comes on and it's like really scratched that itch of like you know, the, the sumptuous quality that early 1970s TV movies really
1: have. <laughs> I I used to love those movies. Uh, preach for those who used to uh, a fake sickness to watch them because mm-hmm. honestly, when you went to school to tell your friends like the movie that you watched, they just never believed you that it existed. Yep. They're like, there's no way that yes. that movie was about that. And mm. and I feel like if, if I wasn't holding... The Two Worlds of Jenny Logan and I tried in more detail to explain what it was about and what it involves. I I I just wouldn't be be able to make you believe me. But one thing I love is I love high concept movies that really have like a high concept sort mm. of I guess theme and yeah. then they and then they're like oh but we've got to squash this in a genre sandwich mm-hmm. just to make it palatable because for me this movie is as much about does therapy work yep. for couples that should break up? Mm-hmm. And then sandwiches in this like really bizarre, like uh, uh, kind of tale of, you know, misfortune through time and yep. loves loss and all these other things. And I love lo-fi time travel. Um, I don't think, you know, I think even Ryan Johnson's Looper, which is probably one of the best in the time travel genre most mm-hmm. recently. And even, you know, Edge of Tomorrow for all of it's like, absolutely gargantuan set pieces Mm. has a great trick of like an editing trick to like signify the time loop going back, you know, someone dies and then the camera cuts and it begins, you know, with Tom Cruise's character lying on it, some duffel bags here on your Mm -hmm. feet, maggot, like just again. So this movie is weird, but it follows all those genre conventions. I was trying to see past the genre to like, Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. is that meat in the sandwich for the whole time? Mm -hmm. And it's one of those movies like I remember listening to Rebecca Black's song "Friday," Alexi, wow. and I okay. and I was and I was like, I don't know if this song was written by Tina Fey as a joke, mm-hmm. because if it is, it's the greatest piece of comedy music that's ever been written, yeah. Or whether it was serious. And this movie, I feel like the mashup of such a serious highfalutin concept and the genre sandwich. It's like, it doesn't quite gel, but like, that's actually what makes it fascinating.
0: I would agree with you. It also does another thing that I love, which is high concept, low budget. And I think that this movie kind of like (laughs) nails that where there's like, there's, like and it's like bordering on campness this kind of movie like a lot yes, of yes. overacted 1970s tv movies tend to do there's an inherent campness to them uh which is like in the quality in the self-knowingness of them in the playfulness of them and i think that this really gets there like this will scratch that itch for you and i want to give a little taste of something a little a little a little shadow if oh, you will God. a mini a kind of a villain in this movie their name is Elizabeth Harrington, which is the name of Todd Noy from the Finding Drago podcast's cellist wife. So I felt a connection to this movie when I saw Elizabeth Harrington up there. I emailed my good friend David, the, uh, who is a Todd Noy scholar, if he had ever heard of this link before. And he said he'd never heard of this movie either. So it just exists together in the world.
1: The 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 time travel threads mm-hmm. of this just the bramble. It's just out there connecting with everything we do. And I and I want to tell people listening to the imprint companion today that I've demanded that Alexi mm-hmm. and I remake this film. Like yeah. I I'm like, I'm like, if we never have a crack at mm-hmm. high concept, low budget, just a short remake of the two worlds of Jenny Logan, I will be disappointed for the rest of my life because it just feels like it's such a ripe thing for it
0: absolutely and i want to give a little shout to something as well because we haven't talked about this as much i'm de-slipping this blu-ray and i think yes. the uh cover on like the plastic sleeve uh claspy disc cover i don't know how to say it but you know what i mean i think yes. that is really nice where it's just denny logan's big old head in front big of old like, head eclipsing with the cloth. Of sun i think yes. that cover is beautiful
1: you no, know, definitely the best, um, the best internal cover that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys have just listened to our previous batch and you're coming onto the new batch, the the let it ride with Richard Dreyfus riding um, the mm-hmm. money. The one on the inside is Dreyfus um, like like being showered in money, which uh, you yeah. can also see on an alternative poster. I prefer the riding one mm-hmm. as well. Um, the regarding Henry poster. It's iconic. I mean, we know you can't that beat the slipcase. You exactly. know it. The other one's just kind of like not as good. But I do want to just quickly, if you want to shout back to the March April batch and mm-hmm. say, I do get a kick out of the Paul Mooney internal cover Absolutely. for Scarface. I love it. It is just, it's him he, because he's staring right in the eyes. It mm-hmm. looks so wonderful. But man, and the original
0: Logan. art on the slip cover of the Scarface box as oh. well. Love that. I Cracker. love that poster.
1: Cracker, cracker. Oh, man. But, yeah, look, the first one that kicks off this batch, a real ripper. Alexi, what's next?
0: Well, I prophesize that it might be a tale of the Mothman. (laughs) We were just making sure there was adequate closet space.
1: Good. This house is yours if you want it. We'll take it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was drawing angels.
1: What are you doing here? Somehow, between 1 and 2.30, I traveled 400 miles. I've got no memory.
0: The past few months, people have been coming up to me and reporting strange things.
1: Weird lights, strange phone calls. Hello? Who is this?
0: What do you do when someone comes into your office and tells you they saw this in their backyard? My wife saw something. The Mothman Prophecies from 2002 after his wife, played by Deborah freaking Messing of anybody, Messing, dies, uh, tragically, in a bizarre car crash. A newspaper reporter finds himself in a small town where a series of strange events may be linked to a mysterious creature. Blake, I had never seen this movie before. I had one thought in my head my whole life about this movie. I always assumed Richard Gere played a guy called like Jason Mothman or something. (laughs) I didn't know Moth... I was like Mothman Prophecies. I had no idea that Mothman was a creature. I always thought it was just a guy.
1: Dude, I am... I would say for many years I was ex- in exactly the same boat as you, except then for a brief period I lived with the beautiful journalist and mm-hmm. also fantasy, contemporary fantasy writer Maria Lewis, who is such a horror aficionado and like mm-hmm. especially conspiracy theory horror aficionado. Procedurals that like she made as
0: well. She loves like proced- investigative
1: horror she, procedurals. She loves that. So mm-hmm. I was aware of this movie, but I too hadn't seen it. And I just want to say... It's directed by a guy by the name of Mark Pellington. If you've never heard of, um, he's recently come back in the news a little bit because his terrific thriller, Arlington Road, is being remade for television. Wow. And so so that is coming out. Um, don't If you haven't seen that movie, don't learn anything else about it other than to say go see it because it's a terrifically made mm-hmm. uh, thriller. Mark Pellington was a guy who was making MTV promo videos that are really insanely innovative and brilliantly uh kind of like weird and using all these crazy techniques of avant-garde cinema and he kind of made himself his own resume of his potential and what's so awesome they gave him this one-two punch of arlington road which is a really taut thriller he makes brilliantly and mothman prophecies was always written as a creature feature it was going to be like a creepy Mm. thing and Pellington and the writers and it, it, you know and and especially once they got signed on Richard Gere and people like Laura Linney, uh, they just said, we want to make this movie less about the Mothman and way more about the the impression of this crazy dread or this like feeling of unease or this premonition that things are gonna go bad and use the Mothman as like the signifier of those things. And I can't man, I want to just say. This may be, like, Let It Ride" is so strong, I I almost don't want to say it's the pick of my batch, but Mm. I am just flabbergasted that there's not, like, like there's a Conjuring universe, like Mm. there's an Insidious universe. I cannot believe that there aren't 20 Mothman prophecies, that one that comes a year and that has this beautiful anthology cast that is made by really dynamic, exciting, innovative filmmakers. Because this movie, like, knocked my socks off. Mm. The sound editing was incredible, done by a sound editor who's worked with Terrence Malick on The Thin Red Line. Yep. Mark Pellington himself, he's a really innovative visual filmmaker. He was working mm-hmm. with all these different recording artists to make things really weird and and um, have great texture. The production design was done by a guy by the name of Richard Hoover. Um, and if you haven't seen his other stuff, he's, he's, he's done so many things, but it goes from like 42, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Twin Peaks. Like this yeah. guy is just the... the I could not believe just running the IMDB rabbit hole with mm. this movie, how many incredible people were involved in it. And I just loved it. Like start to finish, front to back, such an entertaining thriller. And I just can't believe how many great people acted in it, how many terrific people were just, you know, I, it's, it's one of those things like early 2000s, you've got a movie that's got like Will Patton, Richard Gere, Laura Linney, Deborah Messing dying to be in a mm. creature feature. And I'm like, yeah. why can't that happen now? It, mm. it, it's just such a weird thing.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting movie, right? I think it's so superbly well-directed. Because um, I do as well, I do love like that kind of procedural... I do love procedural movies. I do love investigative movies. And I love horror movies. And I think where they intersect is really interesting. And this movie, mm. I maybe think of you because it also sat at the Washington Post, right?
1: I know. I literally <laughs> tweeted. I'm like, you guys didn't tell me that Richard Gere works for the Washington Post in the Mothman Prophecies. I feel exactly. let down. I just spent a year with the boys. It was probably from the Washington mentored Post. by Woodstein, dude. <laughs> totally, totally mentored right into Deborah mm. Messing's arms.
0: <laughs> um, but it's. I think this is kind of a fascinating movie. I think that I, I, I when I revisit it, I will. My love for this movie will grow because I think. I think not knowing what this movie was kind of like held me back from fully mm. embracing mm. it. Like I just had no idea what Mothman Prophecies was, and I think that I'm I'm very curious about the Mothman. And this movie doesn't yes. inter- this doesn't answer all the Mothman questions, but there yeah. are a bunch of special features on here that uncover some of the mysteries of the Mothman. I would say this is a freaking loaded disc, dude.
1: Oh my god. The so firstly we, we talk about Mark Pellington. There's a great retrospective series of interviews with him and also the commentary track. But there's a terrific, terrific original um uh uh documentary called 99 Will Die, um, mm-hmm. which is him directing the Mothman prophecies from like when he was like on set. The, oh, no, sorry. It's Day, day by Day. Sorry. Uh, the, yep. the the 99 Will Die will is actually the retrospective interview. But Day by Day Part 1 and 2, which is Mark Pellington's on the set actual experience of making The Mothman Prophecies as yep. a second time Hollywood filmmaker mm. and watching that journey. I mean, you and I get such a kick out of those movies. Um, um, those kinds of movies anyway. And, and I just was like, to see a director be in it at the time and have all this mm. like young, blustery nonsense in his in his approach, and then like reflect on it. Yeah, I just loved it. I, I this this is so loaded. The special features yeah. on Mothman.
0: I also really enjoyed the Search for the Mothman documentary, which is like from the era of this movie being made, a documentary about the phenomenon of the Mothman and like yes. the original book that it's based on as well. Um I think this is a really loaded disc. Like if you like stuff like The Ring, uh yes. I would say that this will hit in a similar way to that. It's not quite as scary, but it's certainly like very interesting because it's quite I use this movie, this term I never use. It. I'm going to use it twice in this episode. It's a bit of a sumptuous horror movie.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I think that movies like Mothman prophecies had to walk. So like sinister, which is one of my all time favorite oh, horror movies. terrifying had, movie. C- could run because it's, the atmosphere of mothman prophecies is what makes it so terrifying it's like the atmosphere mm. the filmmaking tricks the just the aptitude for using different exposures different cutting styles different yeah. film stocks um uh, you know clearly from all of that time working in like you know tremendously low budget stuff just gave him such a toolkit and man it was impressive like you know if you if this was someone's anyone's second film you're like shit like, they directed the hell out of this. And mm. so, yeah, really impressed. Really impressed and, um, you know, love a good genre movie like that. Um, I had a blast.
0: Of course. We've got one other genre movie in this package, though.
1: Oh, uh, we do. Wait a minute. you seen you actually built a 3D fax machine. Well, we figured out how to transmit an object to 1357.
0: You actually made it work? Right,
1: we found documents with my father's writing on it. We found his glasses. What are you trying to tell us that he faxed it back to the 14th century? Fact is, your father is in the 14th century. We need you to help us get him back. Timeline. A group of archaeological students are trapped in the past to retrieve their professor. They have to survive in 14th century France long enough to be rescued. Alexi, that is Logline does not do really anything (laughs) uh, to what this movie is, but I think actually in so many ways it's the perfect Logline because this movie... (laughs) I mean, what the hell is this? Honestly, this
0: like, this feels like a freaking fake film that I discovered from a different dimension. Like, this doesn't feel like a real movie. Every part of it is weird. Bill Connolly as Paul Walker's dad. Jared Butler. David Doulis. Anna Friel. Francis O'Connor. Jared Butler. Jared Butler is in this movie. <laughs> Neil McDonough. And then Michael Sheen pops up as a lord when all these dudes go back in time to rescue the professor. Or, in one person's case... Paul Walker, it's his dad that they have to go back. Which I was reading about this because this is based on a Michael Crichton novel. And yes. when they in the original novel, they all go back to save their professor. Paul Walker's character is not the son of the professor. But I believe after Paul Walker was cast, no one would believe he's studying archaeology. That they had to go. Well, <laughs> it's easier to believe that Billy Conley squirted out Paul Walker as a son than he is than Paul Walker's ever doing like tertiary education.
1: The great film critic, Wesley Morris, who has written for places like the Boston Globe and Grantland, um, uh, RIP, and now the, is like a freelance culture writer for the New York Times or one of their editors, I believe. He he talked. To, he, he came up with a phenomena called course corrections. And he, what, he, what, he, what that is is like when you are course corrected, like an actor comes in and replaces you. And what's so weird is it feels like Paul Walker is being course corrected by Gerard Butler in the mm. same movie. Yeah,
0: They're like absolutely. It's
1: it's like they it feels like the filmmakers cast Paul Walker, he's a money star, he's clearly charming, mm-hmm. like obviously the Fast and Furious franchise rested so heavily on his and Vin Diesel's uh, Vin Diesel's fat neck, but Paul yeah. Walker's delicious shoulders for Talk many a Talk about a, a
0: timeline disruption because it's uh, impossible to believe that Fast and Furious came
1: out before this movie. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. So Paul Walker, clearly charming. He's got it all. But Gerard Butler is like right there, another Scottish guy Absolutely. who could have totally been Billy, Billy Connolly's Scottish son mm-hmm. and went back. And he feels like he gets the more heroic more absolutely you just get it, it's his movie and you just it's, cut it's paul bizarre. walker out of this
0: movie and it's a little bit better and make him billy Connolly's son that's better even though i love paul walker i love paul walker and Same. the reason i this is the first movie i put on when we received our batch because i love uh. paul walker so much and i was so excited to see like whoa fast and furious meets like time travel in the medieval times and it just did not deliver in any regard this movie I would say early in, like, the wackadoos to deliver. Because this is a (laughs) freaking wacky, weird movie. The weirdest cast, the weirdest premise, the weirdest execution, because it feels like Xena. Like, it feels like Xena or Hercules really meets Power Rangers or something. Like, it doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like a TV show.
1: So, Richard Donner made Krypton feel more real than mm-hmm. 14th century France.
0: I know, right? Like it feels like they go to a, pla- a renaissance like <laughs> like that's what <laughs> I would love to do. I want to remake this movie where these people think they go back in time but they actually did drugs and went to a renaissance fair and fair. start killing people and stuff. That's what I want.
1: I'm I'm in. I'm I'm in. I'm in on any part of that production that you want. But it is so bizarre because also it is it's so aesthetically boring. And mm-hmm. I think that when you say like, look, Xena was Xena and Hercules. They're like made for television. They're not meant to be necessarily like super, super like aesthetically dynamic. They've got a very standard mm-hmm. look. And and that's not to say that the show wasn't entertaining or people didn't love it. But like, if you're making a movie about this, it feels like the budget should be there. And all the actors are there and the director's there. And it's like, not, there's no visual language for the mm-hmm. movie. It just feels so drab. But there's a terrific Roger Ebert quote Yes. that is just like I felt too much of the movie consisted of groups of characters I didn't care about running down passageways and fighting off enemies and trying to get back to the present before the window of time slams shut there's even a big clock ticking off the seconds just once I'd like to see a time travel movie inspired by a true curiosity about the past instead of about a desire to use it as a setting for action scenes and it's like that is a skewering that is so apt. It's like very fair because, yeah, it just feels like this is just a setting for action. It has no genuine curiosity. And even though they are archaeologists and should be more curious and should be thinking about how things are going to have ramifications, the movie just completely glosses over it because it's like, hey, look at how rad this catapult is. Yeah. Like that's that's all it is. And it's so, it is a real, it's a weird one. It's But it's I would totally say it's weird. pretty
0: funny. Like, it is pretty funny to watch <laughs> yeah. this movie. Like, this, watching this movie is one of the best jokes you can play on yourself. Like, it is so <laughs> weird. The scores by Jerry Goldsmith, which is, like... uh, Like, also, I think I read somewhere that they, like, switch the scores out or something. Like, this has... Like, it's loaded enough, this disc. Like, there's a lot of people, like, going deep on this movie, which is fascinating. Like, it's fascinating to have, like, a forgotten blockbuster and then load it up with special features. Like, you know, pretty honestly talking about, like, what this movie is. But also, I love that poster. I've never even seen this poster before in my freaking life. I love it. Paul Walker with a flaming arrow in front of his head. Come on. That's awesome. Come
1: on. And the different time periods down the arrow shaft. It's pretty amazing. But you can totally see that like Richard Donner plus a novel based on something by Michael Crichton, the guy Mm -hmm. who wrote Jurassic Park and The Lost World. It's like all the ingredients are here. It's early 2000s. You've got like such a massive star at this point, star on the rise in Paul Walker and you know the same feeling that you get where like I don't want to live in this world anymore? Mm. Like um like um it's when you see like David thulis and like he's just there in the film saying words and you're like he doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's exactly like David thulis in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and he's
0: like... real life partner and a friel. <laughs> they're in it together. And they're not in any scenes together.
1: Not a single scene. <laughs> not a single um, scene. It's a it's a it's I mean look. Brother, it's
0: batshit. It's (laughs) batshit. It's a crazy movie. I'm honestly so glad I watched it. It was so... My life... While I don't think I like the movie, but my life has been improved knowing it exists. And it's so... (laughs) Like, just to watch this, and then me texting, like, my best friend's Cameron James and stuff, just going, like... Or like go in my group chats with movies and go like, has anyone ever fucking heard of this movie? This is everyone that's in it. <laughs> Sending them screenshots of like the movies of like, you're not gonna believe this. It is so weird. Like this is the weirdest movie.
1: It is unbelievably weird. And I never thought I'd say this, but like in a podcast where the other time travel movie is mm. the two worlds of Jenny Logan. If you're the weirdest of those two time travel movies, there's something, there's something yeah. wrong. There's something I, wrong.
0: <laughs> Both of these movies have a trope that I love in a time travel movie, where like most people come back to the present, but not everyone. And then they find a little relic that shows the life of what the other person that uh. stayed back. Both of them have this, and yes. Jenny Logan does it better. Jenny Logan basically becomes like freaking. It has the same ending as. It has the same ending as Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is the best ending a uh, movie ever has. And this one is just like, yeah, yeah, kind of. It's like, yeah, yeah. Here's a little inscription of what Jared Butler
1: was up to. I just have to say this. Do you think that the imprint guys were like, timeline, fuck that movie. Two, two Worlds of Jenny Logan does it better. Maybe. Is that available? Is yeah. that available? Let's put it out in the same batch and see what people say. Maybe. Let's we'll see which one sells. I'm like Absolutely. Big possibility. Look. Oh my god. Um massive bundle coming out in May. Mm-hmm. Uh before we get to where uh we can we where people can hear from us elsewhere. Um I'm really looking forward to the Essential Noir question 2. Mm-hmm. um city that never sleeps i can't wait i'm all about noir oh. but City that never sleeps seeing that one getting a chance to do it i might even do a movie night we may need to do a batch Ooh. movie night one time let's yeah, do dude. that let's put let's put that on the list but bro it's been so fun oh my goodness it has been fun talking to you I about know. this batch of imprint films um, i cannot please. wait for that
0: next batch dude also oh. the chalk garden and a presence oh. analyst have been on my watch list forever
1: and it's, it's funny. People started tweeting about the president, president analyst recently, and yes. I don't know it's like just because of. The, and I and I'm just like, shit. It's it's coming back around. So I'm really excited to do that, my friend. Mm-hmm. Other than this podcast, where can people find you?
0: We can listen to me every week or twice a week, rather, on the Big Film Buffet, where I talk about. Movies coming out on Netflix with Jen Fricker. It's the official Netflix podcast where we give you the recommendations for your weekend and also give you a little bonus snack of what we're obsessed with in pop culture currently. So we get two episodes a week and also Total Reboots back with me and Cameron James where we are talking about iconic teen movies such Screen as Screen Ages, Paris, baby. We're talking screen ages. Clueless episode should be coming out very soon when this episode drops. Uh, Some of the best movies of all time that I love very deeply. And Blake, what are you up to, baby?
1: Uh, Zodiac Chronicle. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're up to uh, this great show. Uh, Miami Nice is popping back up because more people are fiends for mojitos. More people are wanting to take it to the limit one more time Mm -hmm. than we could possibly have imagined. So Katie and I are just keeping that show simmering along and finding the best cinephiles, the best Mm -hmm. film critics, the best film creators to come and talk to us about another Michael Mann classic. So that's where you can hear me. And this show, if you're listening on Imprint Companion, is going to pop up on a series of shows that Alexi and I are going to keep doing called A Serious Disc Agreement. So nothing really is going to change from what you're listening to in our Imprint Companion episodes. But what you will hear is this show become part of a thread of us diving into all of that physical media getting Mm -hmm. our hands on touching unboxing getting physical with media with dvds bro with some Mm -hmm. dvds and we are a dvd a analysts we're yes, analysts of dude. those dvds we so, uh,
0: I love it baby <laughs> i love to pop the case open push my finger down to that little race section that holds the disc in place press it ever so gently allow that disc to pop up wear it like a ring like i'm marrying my favorite thing in the world movies itself popping that in the <laughs> player pushing it in, and letting a beautiful film roll after some warning messages from my government telling me to not do anything shady with these discs. But I promise you, I did not do anything weird with those discs.
1: Now, I just want to say, I watched Alexi mimic the push (laughs) <laughs> and so that tells me he's a cowboy it's, He's a cowboy he's, yeah, one, yeah. he's one of those guys He's not even going to the little Open and close disc button on the remote yeah. He's getting a little gentle touch And he knows oh. He knows his player Yeah. It's just going to go straight in there
0: You just a little tap it in You just go tap,
1: it, tap in. it in
0: Don't do too hard But I, I love that To feel that slight resistance mm. Of pushing the tray in And then it just goes All the rest <laughs> of the way itself One of my favourite pleasures Of watching a DVD Is that tray
1: well, we hope that you've had so much fun listening and that this show has brought you as much pleasure as pushing in your own tray.
0: Oh my word, you dirty bitch.